The thing I didn't like is I didn't like the way psychiatry was treating these kids. So the staff would call psychiatry and say, hey, Billy, Billy didn't go to bed on time, or Jimmy got in a fight with Johnny. And it's like, the psychiatrist would come, and then they'd jam him full of drugs. Welcome to the Dream Out Loud family, where young entrepreneurs come to learn the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. I'm your host, Morgan T. Nelson, a former carpenter who created financial freedom by the age of 23 and have since spent my time traveling around the world living my dream life, inspiring, educating, and teaching other young people how they can do the same. Each and every week, I'll bring you the most epic guests who are going to share their stories, wisdom, tips, and tricks on how they've been able to create a life by design. Here at Dream Out Loud, we're committed to helping inspire and educate you to be able to execute your full potential. Have you ever thought about living a life with more freedom, more certainty, more clarity and confidence? Have you ever thought about what it would be like for you to truly live a life by design, not by default? If so, then listen up. Guys, I've got something absolutely incredible coming up that you guys are want to be a part of. It's called the Life by Design Summit. How to create a life on purpose with passion and freedom without needing to have it all figured out yet, even if you don't know where to start or if you've tried everything before. Look, chances are if you listen to this podcast, whether this be the first time or the 100th time you've listened to this, you are a dream chaser. You are a go-getter. You have big ambition inside of you. You have this burning desire inside within that is just waiting to be unleashed and to go into something worth meaning, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be here listening. I've literally created this summit specifically for you. It is a virtual event, so it doesn't matter which country you're in. You can get access and jump in live with me for three and a half hours, okay? In this summit, you're going to learn the secrets that I've learned, that I've developed over the years to build the life of freedom that I currently have now. You're going to learn how to find your purpose in life and actually get paid for doing something that you love. You're going to learn how to discover unlimited motivation even on the days you feel lost, stuck, and you don't want to do anything. And you're also going to learn my four secret pillars to bridge the gap from where you are right now to the life you truly desire. Guys, there's no better time than right now to attend this upcoming summit. It's going to blow your freaking mind. To top it off, this is not some free, shitty masterclass, free webinar where I'm just going to bore you to death, give you 10% value, and then just fluff you around, waste your time, and then sell to you. This is three and a half hours of pure gold, pure value, specifically for you so you can get to the next level in your life. Tickets are $47. That's it. And there's not even a sell on the call. So what are you waiting for? Hit the link in the description below of this episode. Get your ticket and I'm going to see you live on the virtual event coming up next. Guys, I cannot wait to see you on the Life by Design Summit. Okay, guys, welcome back. So today's guest is a super interesting one. He's a psychiatrist who's actually seen over 40,000 patients. Mm-hmm. And throughout his obsession on being able to heal the body and the mind to create healthier and happier humans, he discovered his passion for helping people specifically deal with mental illness. So I'm super excited to have a chat today with the man who's had almost four decades of experience in human behavior, my friend all the way from California, Dr. Fred Moss. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Morgan. It's really beautiful to be on, our, on this conversation and isn't technology grand that we can actually do this across that's not a pond between us, dude. That is a fairly large body of water between here and uh, you. And so ours, you're on a different day than I am, frankly. Yep. That's pretty big. Yeah. 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 We're in the future, I think. I mean, yeah, I'm in the future. How's it looking in the future? I'm always I, a little curious how it's going to go. So I yeah. sometimes call my Aussie friends just to, just if I get concerned about how <laughs> the future is. It's, it's pretty much like yesterday, except more rain today. Okay. That's yeah. good to know. I'll, I'll take out the right clothes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Look, I'd love to first sort of understand in inside of your head and and like your values oh and things like goodness. this, because someone who's sort of devoted their entire life to you know human behavior, being a psychiatrist, helping people discover you know inside yeah. of their own heads 
how did you like it's safe to say this is something you probably put here to do how did you mm-hmm. discover that this is what you're here for? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So, as we were just talking, I think I really came on the planet. I've looked at this question a few times, a number of people have asked me, and, and you know, I've like go back to when did I decide? When did I decide? And I eventually got that I decided in the first second that I arrived here on Earth because my family was in chaos and was in disarray, and they were really, I can almost imagine them like waiting around my mom, like, okay. We need we need a savior. We need someone who's going to bring a respect for connection and communication and creativity, conversation. Let's go. Let's hope that little Freddie's the guy. And so pretty much it's been my full-time job since I was born a little more than 63 years ago. And, you know, I, I kept, I really became enchanted with communication very early in my life. And I had these two older brothers and my and my parents and then my little sister that I was translating the language for everybody for. And I remember just watching and being so, so like, so like entertained with communication. So I wanted to learn how to be a communicator. I love the Beatles. The Beatles were back in that time. And I, I loved all the idea that the song of our voices could actually alter each other. So over the next several decades, really, I kept on thinking that when I get to the next level, I would eventually learn how to be a great communicator. It surely wasn't going to happen in elementary school because these are just little kids. So I thought, okay, junior high. And then when I got to junior high, I was like, oh, it's not here either. These are just these are just little kids in a big kid suit. It must be going on in high school. And then I went to high school. It wasn't there either. Then I went to college, and then it wasn't there either. And so I left college. I was like, I'm not doing college. And I just left. I can't. And I'm going to quit. I dropped out. And I'm like, Mom, I'm not going to college. I traveled around the country a little bit looking looking for stuff to do. And it wasn't that great going around the country either. So I went back to college. And then I left again. It was shit. Well, I wasn't working at all. You know, I was just like, man, I am so done with this. So my mom's like, okay, Fred, that's cool. My mom, you know, she loved me to death. And she's like, okay, Fred, that's cool, but you got to get a job. So I, I, you know, it's like, okay. You know, moms will be like that. I, you know, I, I'm, I just don't want to go to school and don't want to work. And she's telling me I got to work. So I got to do one. You know, I'm like, all right. <laughs> so she gives me a job at a state mental facility for uh, young adult boys. And uh, I was like, or, you know, young adult, like an adolescent. And, and what I, I thought I was only going to stay there for three weeks, Morgan. I thought I would stay there long enough to get my orientation checks, grab enough money, buy a car, and hit the road again. Because that's what I really want to do is hit the road and just go see what the hell is going on in the world. That's why I'm kind of stunned that I've never been to Australia because it's really been mm-hmm. – I've had so many Aussie friends. You can see with a free spirit like this, every time I meet a group of Aussies, if we just fall in together, we have a great time. And actually, my primary coach, Ari Gelper, is from Australia as well. I was like, uh, all right, well, I'll stay three weeks. So I stayed three weeks, and my friend convinced me to stay one more day. Come on, let's go to the floors. And I was like, all right, I could use another week's paycheck. Maybe I could, like, upgrade my car that I'm going to buy so I can start, you know. So I was like, okay, I'll stay another week. So, you know, frankly, Morgan, for the last 42 years, I'm, like, constantly waiting for those three weeks to come so that I can finally quit this flipping job because I don't really like the job that much. I just had stuff to do. My mom made me get a job, and I was going to get enough money to get a car. And so far, you know, I just, I'm getting on being about 64 years old, and I'm still waiting for those three weeks to happen. In the meantime, I've acquired a 42-year history of being a mental health worker because what I learned on that job was that connecting with another person is healing. And it didn't matter that these kids were 15 and 16. And frankly, I was only 21 or 22 at the time. What matters is if I could look somebody in the eye and actually treat them like they were just a normal human being going through their unique experience, just like I had learned when I was a kid, then I could actually heal them. But not only that, they could heal me. And it was really just really clear to me that connection and communication was so important in the world of just getting another person. I was like locked in, rock solid truth. The thing I didn't like is I didn't like the way psychiatry was treating these kids. So the staff would call psychiatrists and say, hey, Billy, Billy didn't go to bed on time, or Jimmy got in a fight with Johnny. And it's like, the psychiatrists would come, and then they'd jam him full of drugs. And I'd be like, what? how is that okay? How is that okay that we got to hold these kids down while you put a needle in their butt, and then we, if they're quiet for the next 24 hours, we call that success? How is that okay? It's not okay. There's nothing okay about that. So it was so not okay with me. That I bit my tongue one more time and went back to school in order to be a psychiatrist. And that's really the truth. So even though I had 11 or 13 more years left of school, it was, it was in order to turn that shit around so that you didn't have to be a psychiatrist dramming kids full of drugs in their butt. Mm. 
Well, uh, go ahead. No, you, yeah, you can see. Yeah. Well, while I was in medical school, a really interesting revolution happened, and that was that this drug called Prozac got created. And when Prozac got created, the whole world flipped on its ear. And, you know, just like it's flipping now, it flipped back then with this word Prozac. It's not what, even What is that Prozac far. again? I know that name. Prozac but It's an antidepressant. Yeah, it's an right. antidepressant that was geared towards this idea that um, that psychiatric conditions are really chemical imbalances and biological in nature and defined by being uncomfortable in the world, either anxious or depressed or nervous or confused or... Or, you know, hopeless or too many thoughts or not enough thoughts or too much buying or not enough buying or too much sleeping or not enough sleep. Like all of a sudden we had conditions that everybody had a condition. I was like, oh, I did not come into this field for this, actually. I came in the field mm-hmm. so I could communicate. But psychiatry got got typeset over the next several decades. And I became the person that I hated being. Because all of a sudden, I was being counted on to write tons of prescriptions and diagnose people of all ages as if they were sick. The thing is, that's what they wanted. Who's they? The patients themselves would right, come okay. to see me. You don't want to know an interesting phenomenon? Mm-hmm. If you tell somebody as a psychiatrist that they're normal, they get pissed. Right. They are, Yeah, they don't want to, all the other fields in medicine, if you tell them they're normal, they're like, oh, good. But if a psychiatrist tells someone they're normal, they're like, no, I'm not. I'm not right. normal. I want to go next door and tell somebody, have somebody tell me I'm abnormal because it's really important to feel abnormal. You see, it's actually normal to want to be labeled abnormal because that way you're not responsible for all the bullshit you're doing in your life, you know? You can actually, you relinquish your accountability for your life because you can blame it on your condition. I got ADD. I got social anxiety. I got PTSD. I got narcissistic personality disorder. I got major depression. I got bipolar disorder. I got schizophrenia. I got schizoaffective disorder. He's like, what? you just blame it on whatever you have. And now when you act like an idiot, it's no longer your responsibility because you have a condition that actually causes it. So there's a lot of reason. Look, so, so it allows them to stay like at effect and be in that victim mindset, like exactly. by, by actually like labeling that that whole thing. So where, where, where does that kind of come from? Then, like, what is is that is that a conscious thing or is it deeper unconscious thing? Is that how they get their approval? That is it a way no, to them to they, feel like it, you know? If you start thinking in we and they, you're you're kind of missing the point because really we're all like that. If we can blame when we're when I'm an asshole, I just assume blame my wife. When I, I blame my blame the neighborhood, blame the government, blame the blame my best friend, blame my ex girlfriend, whatever. We like to blame other people when we make mistakes because it's very hard to look directly at ourselves and take responsibility and accountability for our actions. Now here's the other thing. The other thing that is really brilliant and kind of sad is that once you accept your diagnosis, you really are that. Mm. Once you agree that you're deficient, then you just are. It's not like you're not, but you say you are. It's that you are. Everyone treats you like you are. You say you are. And so you walk around. It's like if I tell you you're an elephant and you believe me because I'm a doctor because you, you walk around, you're like, I'm an elephant. It's just the way it is. My doctor told me. It's like, okay, well, what does that even mean? I don't know, but I'm an elephant. Well, all right, as soon as you know that, and then you get the treatments and the pills or the or the therapies that confirm that, right? They treat you like you have that. And then the medicine actually sometimes truly gives you the symptoms it's marketed to treat. Like sometimes it's like an antidepressant gives you depression, an anti-anxiety drug gives you anxiety so it's like it it both cures you for a short period of time and then makes the condition worse i like to say it's like a razor blade embedded in a band-aid like if you put a band-aid on a cut the cut will dry up for a moment until it seeps out the outside and you're gonna like say that's my cut is bad it's like you're not your cut is bad anymore the treatment is actually causing the symptoms and there's a perpetuation here now why do i think that well, I could be wrong, right? Some people are like, no, it doesn't. I say, no, 40,000 patients later, I get to sort of act like I'm at least a marginal expert in this area. And 
what people really know is that these medicines don't cure anything. And so when you come off of these medicines with, you know, you can come off these medicines with proper supervision. Most people are like, oh, I can't do that. My doctor won't let me. You know, it's such a lockdown. So if you come off the medicines, you can get your life back. And it's way tougher to keep taking those medicines than it is to stop taking those medicines. So, yeah, they give you like a week or two or three where it's uncomfortable, but you can definitely come off your medicine. And that's what I started to notice. I started taking people off their medicine, taking people off their diagnoses. And lo and behold, they got way better, way better. Not just a little better, dude. They got way better. I was like, wow. And I did this more, not just a couple times. I did this several hundred times. And then I probably did it a thousand times. And everybody got better. Now, here's the other thing. It's not always better to get better. Sometimes if you if everyone's expecting you to be sick and all of a sudden you're well, they're like, dude, you're not, we can't deal with you. We need you to be sick again. Mm. We can't deal with you. Now you're talking the truth. We don't have any room at the table for your truth, my man. You're, you're going back to being sick because this is, you know, it's like, I don't know, like putting air in one tire of a car. If you put air in one tire of a car and they all need air, then the car is going to ride funny. But so that, that's how it is. It's like a system like that. So now I've really found myself, I'm called the undoctor. Some people call me the undoctor. And I love that. You know, it's just like I undiagnose, I unmedicate, and then I undoctrinate my patients. And I do so. I'm not anybody's doctor anymore. I don't practice conventional psychiatry. I've finally gotten to the space where I backed out of it. I don't have to diagnose anyone. You know, if I had to diagnose you, you know what I'd give you? You know what your diagnosis is? I know your diagnosis. You know is what it? it is? I know. Yeah. I haven't even talked to you long, but I got a diagnosis for you. You ready? I'm ready. Your diagnosis is Morgan Nelson. That's your diagnosis, dude. That's it. <laughs> so, how do, how do you mean by this? Like, so, because, so, like, we haven't been a chat before we started as well. I love to dive into all this because, like, so on this as well. However, if when I speak about this stuff, people are like, what the fuck do you know? You know what I mean? Yeah, so, right. you're the doctor here. So, I'd love to hear about this because my, you know, like, I've got a lot of friends over in America as well. And I think it's the, the whole, like, like, labeling, anxiety, uh-huh. depression, ADD, yeah. like, every yeah. American I know is on. Uh, it's not Ritalin, it's not Vyvanse. It's Adder- Adderall. Adderall. Man, yeah. everyone on Adderall. But all your guys not, do. It, all the millennials and, and, and yeah, G and Y. Yeah, yeah. Generation Y and millennials. Hey, man, yeah. you guys eat that shit for breakfast. It's Yeah, crazy. it's wild. And I, I meet so many people and they're like, yeah, I want Adderall. Snort I'm, it. You do all yeah. sell it in the street. <laughs> so how, how is how is it a problem? And and what's I guess, guess what, what's, what's the alternative there? I see so it's a problem. Here's the thing. These medicines, if they compound them properly, look, I wish I would have done what the medicine people did. I mean, if I could create, if you could create a part, a product that actually creates the symptoms it's marketed to treat, <laughs> bank, dude, this is like straight <laughs> bank, right? Like you, like, yeah. like there's no end to that. And that's mm-hmm. why people like line up across the street to get their drugs every day. Now, it's not the drug's fault. And it's not the people's fault. And it's not the doctor's fault. It's not the insurance fault. It's not. The, the, it's not. It's not even psychiatry's fault. It's not anyone's real fault. It's just a beautiful system that allows for us to call you. Like another thing is psychiatrists. Here's the thing. When we're therapists or psychiatrists and we call somebody sick, that means we're well. See, we get to say, oh, yeah, from here, I'm normal. You can count on that. And not only am I normal, you're abnormal. How do I know? Because I'm trained to discover what's abnormal. So every time I call somebody abnormal, all I'm doing is confirming that I'm actually probably normal. I'm so normal that they gave me the license to call people abnormal. It's like, <laughs> it's way freaking twisted. And the the thing is about these drugs like Adderall, Adderall comes with, you know, it's just like McDonald's. And I mean, there's like lots of things come with a little thrill, potato chips or, you know, there's like... Adderall has a euphoric potential, and many of these drugs have something that has you either feel relaxed, you know, chill, or give you extra attention, or, you know, make you feel omnipotent, or, you know, just a touch, so that the drug itself becomes really interesting, right? And like Adderall, it's kind of like an experience like being up all night. You know, you if you in, in some ways it's like perfect coffee, but what it does is it causes scatteredness. Mm-hmm. Now by causing scattered, it's for a while you're really focused, right? You could do you could do you could vacuum and do homework and make dinner all at the same time. You know, that's kind of cool. But 
eventually, when the drug wears off, you actually get more scattered than you were before you were taking Adderall, which is great for the Adderall community because the only thing that's going to cure that is more Adderall. And more Adderall. And that's, you yeah. know, so all of a sudden you got that going on. And, you know, every time I pause for any podcast or when I just do that, like the only thing that's going to cure that, no one's ever guessed wrong. Everybody said, oh, yeah, more Adderall. Because we, we know. We know. If we would be honest with ourselves, every human knows that what I'm saying is flipping true. That's what's really interesting. Now, I can't prove it because the journals don't prove it. Oh, yeah. Who writes those journal articles? Like, oh. What's the incentive of writing an article that our drug doesn't work yeah. I, or that our drug actually causes you to need our drug? Why would, oh, I, I don't even blame them. You see what I'm saying? It's all kind of beautiful, really. In the end, it's diabolically freaking awesome. What a cool system. It's such a cool system. And if here's another one last piece. It's like, you know, a system like this, if, if I was right, then it would probably have profits that approach the largest margin in the history of planet Earth, right? You'd think that because there's no end to the profit. Oh, guess what? It does. That's so interesting. It is. It's several billion dollars a day, dude. It is totally a profit-driven market. Yeah. For these little things that got some powder in it, we stand up. We will sell our children to get that stuff. Yeah. So, so it's just operating as a huge business, right? The pharmaceutical thing, it's it's the whole, you know, it's you can't really, like they're creating the problems. Then it's like, here's the problem, here's the solution for it. And people continually buying back in. And Yeah. But you see, that's a big wheel. If you, I used to be mad at the drug company. I'm not mad at the drug companies anymore. I used to be mad at my doctor friends. I'm not mad at my doctor friends. And I'd be mad at the patients. It's like, I'm not mad at the patients anymore. I'm not mad at anybody anymore. Now it's just like, oh, this is totally fascinating. It's a totally fat. What a cool system. Thanks for, let, thanks for showing me how this shit works. It's so interesting. Here's the thing. The cool thing, and this is where I get to step in and actually make a difference for the first time in my life, become a healer for the first time since when I was born, which is there is access to getting off this wheel, and it's right there with the patient. You see, you don't have to take that pill every morning. You don't. There's no one there with a gun to your head saying you need to take the potato. Oh, but my doctor told me. Who gives a shit that your doctor told you to do it? When you do it, you're doing it because you're doing it. So theoretically, if you could get to the space that you knew there was nothing wrong with you ever, never was anything wrong with you, there still isn't anything wrong with you, there's nothing to treat, there's no mental condition here that actually needs an additional bump of some sort, either one direction or another, you just are living life the way life is meant to be lived. And that includes being very uncomfortable every so often, or maybe frequently. And when you can get that, then you no longer are going to want to take pills because why would you need pills if there's nothing wrong with you? And once you start getting that access, now you start coming off your diagnosis, you start coming off your pills and guess what happens? You get a real life back in your hand. Mm. You get a real life. And you know what? Life is short, dude. Life is really short. So if you're going to get a real life, probably you should do that pretty soon. I, I don't know about you, but I'm not waiting until 2030 to do shit. I, mean, I don't have anything out there, right? Like you say, what's your 10-year plan? What? What's my what? You say 10-year plan? That's like the funniest freaking joke I've ever heard. What are you even talking about? Uh, maybe before we used to make a 10-year plan, but 10 years from now... The real question is, I want to hear a show of hands to show that to says, are you going to be alive in 10 years? <laughs> because frankly, I think most people know they're probably not going to be alive in 10 years or they really might not be alive in 10 years. This isn't a 10 year plan thing. I, you know, I'll keep living like I do and I'll get authentic when I get the time later. No, dude. Right now, right now, right now. That's the time to get authentic, you know? Now, I, yeah. At least in my world. It's okay if you don't want to get authentic. You want to live the rest of your life, you know, inauthentic. More power to you, man. Let me know how that works. It's fine. Yeah. It, it is fine. People are awesome. Whatever they do, they're cool. It's really, I'm serious, everybody. But I find that if you live an authentic life, I don't know. It's richer. It's, it's better. It's not easier. It's richer. It's, it's not easier. It's not easier. But it's not harder. But it's not easier. But definitely not harder. <laughs> I love it. Like I, I'm big on this. Like one of the like I, I run a three day event called the Dream Out Loud Method, it's a fully transformational event. And one of the biggest underlying things 
like that I do is teaching people how, like how, how do we remove all these masks of who we were taught to be and start living a life of who we were born to be. Exactly. Because, because we're born the exact per- perfect person every single time. Then life comes in and we get labels and then diseases and all this kind of shit. So I'd, I'd love to sort of chat to you about this. And so you, you were saying before, it's like, you know, we are all normal. Everyone's normally having their own uniqueness. So for the people that are sort of maybe listening to this and like, well, I need medication right now to go to sleep or I, or yeah, I think yeah. I have ADD or yeah, yeah. how can they start their own healing process and be okay with everything exactly like who uh, they are? All right. Well, this is a really great question. And these days we have, like you and I are showing right here, you have the possibility of hitting a, hitting a send button or hitting the start button. And all of a sudden you're talking to somebody who lives 7,000 miles away from you. So here's the thing. It took me no time to figure out how far that is, right? It took, I, I had to talk to Siri three times, but that was just a waste of time. I could have done it sooner. I didn't realize he'd be on my computer. And you, you, got, you can't do this alone. You can, but you see, you already got, you already built a pathway that has it be that there's something wrong with you. So when you feel uncomfortable, you're going to be left with that same challenge. You're going to be left with wow, what I just did was so bad or what I just did, I just hurt somebody intentionally or I just uh, ate too much for lunch or I just, you know, um, uh, said something that I regret or I didn't follow through with my word. And then it's, oh, oh, I have a choice here. I can actually blame that on my ADD. I think that feels a lot better to blame that on my ADD. And now all of a sudden, you don't have the same incentive to move forward. Now, Maybe you're like, after hearing me, you're like, you know what? I'm sick of living like I have ADD. Well, then you, you, you probably should get some help. An accountability partner, someone who's going to walk you through this, someone who's going to get you for who you are. It's really important to listen to other people for who they are, treat them for who they are and not as if they're defective. And when you do that, they'll start treating you like you're who you are and not defective. And if you're not defective, you don't need to take pills. Look, if you want to drink a half bottle of tequila tonight, good for you. Go do it. If you want to snort a half a gram of cocaine tonight, okay, that's fine. I mean, it's out there. You could do that. But the truth is, you don't need that. You could be like, oh, I'm jonesing for some cocaine or I'm jonesing for some Adderall or tequila, which, by the way, does sound pretty good. It is the evening here. I shouldn't go in that direction. I I wouldn't mind drinking some tequila right now, but it's not cool to have that. I'm just kidding. Anyways, I, I, but good. No, tequila. Nothing wrong with a shot of tequila, dude. Yeah, dude <laughs> good tequila is. Yeah. Well, that's a whole different ball. That's game, a different conversation. Man. We we don't, we don't te- include that in this. <laughs> that is a different conversation, man. You could, it, when you have a friend who's going to see you for who you are, or when you have somebody who sees you for who you are, and you get to be who you are for them, and then you hold them for who they are and who they're not. Now, all of a sudden, you have access to something called authenticity, something called true voice. And that's, that's of course, is the launching point for that true voice podcasting mastermind that we got here, too. Yeah, I love it. Hey, guys, just want to jump in here super quickly and remind you to grab your ticket to the upcoming Life by Design Summit. Now, just wait here for a second. You're listening to this podcast because you want more from life. You want more from life. You want to create a life by design. You want to dream out loud, don't you? Otherwise, you wouldn't be wasting your time listening to my voice every single week, would you? So, wouldn't it be nice for you guys to be able to speed this up? Wouldn't it be incredible for you guys to accelerate your growth, accelerate your learning, and accelerate your freaking life? Guys, this is what the Life by Design Summit is all about. It is truly here to help you create a life on purpose with passion and freedom, okay? This is a summit where me and you get to actually hang out and interact with each other live at the virtual event. If you've been listening to this for a while and you're young, you're passionate, you've got a burning desire for more in life and life is just not where you want it to be just yet. You want to have more freedom, have more clarity, have more certainty and truly start living a life by design, not by default, not what the system has programmed us for, then you'll be at the Life by Design Summit, period. Okay, hit the link in the description of this episode. Get your ticket. There is one coming up. It's just around the corner. So I cannot wait to see you there. And we're going to dive deep into teaching you how to find your purpose in life and actually get paid 
for doing what you love and the four secret pillars on how to bridge the gap where you are to that dream life. Okay, guys, go ahead and get your ticket now. You can feel so freaking amazing about uh, securing your spot now, being an early bird person. And then when we get onto the call, you're going to feel so freaking confident, so certain in your decision that you've made the right decision because your life is about to freaking change. All right, now let's get back into the interview. So one of the things that you say is, I, I wrote it down, you say that communication and conversation is the heart of healing and without it, we can't actually heal. So what do you mean by that? Yeah. No, there, there is no human is healing anywhere without any kind of connection, without a, you know, conversation, communication, creativity, and connection. It's precisely in human connection that people do their, you're not healing alone. Just, you're not taking a bunch of pills and getting all better and not talking to anybody. The way that you get better is by sharing your truth with another person or having them share their truth with another person. Even if you believe that your doctor is helping you, and maybe they are, the only way that's going to happen is if you have a connection with your doctor. You know, you have to have a connection with somebody, your mom, your wife, your doctor, your friend, your teacher. You have to have some kind of connection. And frankly, most of the most of the dis-ease, we don't do it two words like dis-ease, most of the illness in the world is really a function of being without that connection or not expressing oneself openly and honestly. And that's, you know, my first book was really based on that. It was based on the creative eight. And what that is, is where... You know, you create, um, like when you're creating, when you're in your act of creating, all of a sudden there is a new level of connection, that with your own self-expression. And you know that you're connecting with the outside world. So art and music and dancing and singing and drama, cooking and writing and gardening and these creative acts really do create a relief of symptoms while you're doing them. But mostly what you really want to be doing is you want to be out there with other people, at least a person or two and connecting. Why do you have a podcast? The reason you have a podcast is because you adore connecting with people. You already know that. You could you know, you could stay at home and do whatever a dude like you does alone, which we that's probably a conversation for another day too. But really what what's real important here is that human connection is what's driving the podcast industry. Totally, right? I mean these com- people tune in for hours and hours and listen to the fools like me and you utter stuff to each other, listen to each other and then create new ideas. That, that's what humans do. I'd love to, I, I really want people to sort of understand, I might be, I might regret even opening this box, but. You probably will. It's all right. It's okay. We'll care. see what happens. I've never talked. I'm, to, I'm, never... I'm a doctor, dude. I, I, I'll say, <laughs> if you regret shit, I'll just take care of it. It ain't a problem. <laughs> so how about like when we're looking at the more natural side of healing the body, let's talk like plant medicines, yeah. things like this. No, you're not going to regret this. this okay, good. cool. I'd love to sort of open this box. I just want to frame the right way because like a, a thing that like, yeah. you know, especially this generation, you know, they, they, they might hear the word ayahuasca or something and be like, yeah, oh, fuck see, yeah. And, then, and then this generation, are you going with generation Y, which I just learned about this week? Are you going with millennial? <laughs> you got, where are you on the fence? <clears> mainly, mainly millennial. Sometimes. Yeah, I know these freaking millennials, man. Yeah. I yeah, got yeah. Two children that are millennials. I know what you're talking <laughs> about. But rock me. Go ahead. Go bring it. But I'd, I'd love to sort of just open the discussion of this because there is bit just in the right sort of context, because there's, there's people out there that I've seen go and do playmates and trying to find themselves or whatever or thinking they're getting a high and then they just get destroyed by it and they open up Pandora's box and all this stuff. So can we talk about this in in a way of like how the possibilities and potential of this? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. So especially in the plant medicine world, you know, and it's more than plant medicine. There are other drugs, but I assume you're really talking mostly about ayahuasca and psilocybin primarily. Those are the two drugs that are on the front edge of the front edge of the plant medicine world these days there are certainly other medicines that are out there there's combo and there's hoppe and there's a few others that you know bring a new level of awareness to who we are and you know there's other lots of other plant medicines and herbs that alter the alter our way of being you know and it's these things are these things alter consciousness directly so you know they give you like if they give you access to a different dimension of what reality is about than the one that's been shoved down our throat as being what's so this three-dimensional nonsense that we're supposed to believe is real okay so because we believe it's real and we all think that we all need to believe it's real and psychiatry actually supports that if you somehow you think there's an extra dimension or something in the world, then we're just going to hospitalize you and fill you up with drugs because there's something heard of that. wrong with you. Yeah. So the whole conversation is bent to have us all be stuck into this notion that there's a three-dimensional world here and that 
it's our problem if we can't figure it out. What ayahuasca does and what the psychedelics do, what the mushrooms, you know, and then even some of the laboratory medicines, whether you go with like MDMA or you go with LSD or you go with ketamine or all these other drugs, is it gives us access to some form of understanding eternity, maybe, or some form of understanding divinity or some form of understanding infinity or some form of understanding life at a different explanation than what's what we've been given up until now. Now, that's a pretty traumatic experience when you walk through it the first time. I mean, you're just chilling, thinking you, you know, thinking you got to get up at eight and go to bed at uh, 10 and make a few bucks and feed the kids and shit. And now all of a sudden, you got a whole new reality you're dealing with. Like, oh, you might be here forever. Like, there, you know, death could be an illusion or your body could be an illusion or time or space could be an illusion. Like, all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, there's this, some foundational things that are being threatened. You probably should have somebody around you that knows what to do with that rather than like taking it at a rave or, you know, on your way to the bar or the concert or something. You probably should like really take that shit sacred and seriously. And there are shaman or there are guides. There are people who can walk you from here to there so that you don't end up being all thoroughly confused. Now, with that said, you you might not be surprised with what I'm going to say next. I'm going to say this. Those people who are like destroyed because they took too much Iowa and stuff. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're just humans, dude. They're just humans. And you can meet them where they are, too. You can get out there with them and get, yeah, but dude, uh, you know, she's a serpent. Or it's like, all right, good. So she's a serpent. That's cool. I get it. Now what? You know, what are you going to do with that? It's just another it's just another finding. It's another discovery. And it can be incorporated, but there's only one way to incorporate it, Morgan. And that is you have to hear the person for who they are. You need to connect with that person. You need to actually communicate with that person. And when that happens, I already told you what happens when you connect with someone. When you connect with someone, that's the cause. That's the source of all healing. This is really cool. And one thing I love to open up here as well. So I think because you talk a lot about it's like seeing people for exactly who they are because really what we see in other people is exactly what we see in ourselves, right? Yeah. So the things that we see good in other people and the things that we see bad in other people, what are some sort of steps you'd recommend someone to sort of st- like start dealing with looking internally to be like, well, how is this me? Yeah. Well, my first step is, 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 you know, if you have to do anything, it would be to take a look at yourself. Take a look at the areas in life where you're not being honest about who you are. Take a, take a look at, you know, you, you think it, we, we walk around, we think we're so badass. So, you know, these days we just dress good or we, you know, hang out with the right people or we, you know, we watch the right TV shows or we, you know, smoke the right drugs or the right cigarette or something. Like when you start really looking at the core of who you are and give yourself the grace, give yourself the grace to get that you're not who you've been pretending to be, it's okay. It's totally okay. It's fine. We all pretend to be something we're not. It's fine. You don't have to get all mad at yourself. You don't have to get all scared about it. You don't have to get all weird about it. You don't have to like, you know, rip your stick, go drink a half bottle of tequila. You don't have to do that. You just be like, wow. I walk through life thinking that I'm someone I'm not. That's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting. I Here I am. I, I know that I'm not who I pretend to be, and I do it anyways. That's really interesting. So when you can give yourself that kind of grace, you open up the opportunity to give another person that kind of grace. And when you can see in that other person that as foolish as they're being is just as foolish as you are in their world, and it's all just so flippin' absurd and ludicrous. And when you get that it's absurd and ludicrous at its baseline, all of a sudden a new sense of wisdom can come in. You can get, oh yeah, oh yeah, this this is some bullshit. We live in some bullshit. There's a lot of people lying and deceiving and dece- and saying things about themselves that isn't exactly true. Now, here's the thing. There's some of our listeners like, I don't like that, dude. I am who I am. I Don't tell me I'm not myself. It's like... I, all right, you can be yourself. You can be all self-righteous about it if you want. That's fine. But there are parts of you, major parts of you, major parts of you that are just believing what other people told you rather than really exploring it for yourself. And it's possible that all the things that we know, we don't even know. It's possible. And when you start, the closer you can get to zero, 
The closer you can get is that you don't even know what you know you know. You don't even know what you know you know. Even that stuff, you're like, yeah, but I mean, I get it that I don't really know that. But there's some stuff I really do know that I know. No, you don't even know that stuff. When you can back off and give yourself some room to not even know that which you know that you know, I'm telling you, dude, there is some freedom there. And you still you still snap back. Like, I pretend like I know what I know when I'm talking right now. I, I'm pretending like I got some shit going on. Like, seriously, like I understand some shit. I don't understand anything. And I don't even understand that I don't understand anything. But there's some fun and ease and grace and entertainment and amusement that can come from life when you finally get to the fact that you don't know shit. <laughs> that's 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 really it's like I've heard, I've heard that saying a few times like the more you know the more you realize that you don't know shit exactly <laughs> yeah and, yeah, and it's like ask Buddha. you know we were having i had a conversation i have a great i as you can imagine i'm surrounded with some super powerful very fun people and my friends and my colleagues i had this great conversation with one of my best friends the other day we we're talking about buddha and he's like you know so Buddha sits under the tree, right? He just hangs out under the tree and he finally gets done with it. He, you know, last several days, he's probably not learning anything new. Just kind of hanging out. It's like, I think that's about it. You know, like a guy sitting on the can or something. He's like, he's just done. He's just done. He's like, okay, I guess it's time to get up now. You know, I mean, what else am I going to do? I haven't learned anything in about eight days, 10 days. I think it's about time. I just get up and go in the world and tell him what I know. So he gets up, brushes off himself and they say, so Buddha, what'd you learn? He says, I don't know shit. And then we worship him for another 2,700 years. It's like, oh, we see Buddha doesn't know shit. And then we all, we all wish. We all wish we were a Buddha. Why do we wish we were a Buddha? Because Buddha knows that he doesn't know shit. That's all he knows. He know, and you know what he does know? He knows that suffering is part of the world. He knows that. He knows that. That's one of the things he couldn't, he couldn't shake. You know, he couldn't shake that tightly. But he could also get that's where suffering comes from. And suffering comes from the mismatch of how we think the world should be versus how the world is. That's all. That's right. the suffering, man. So, so, so you're saying that we, we create our own suffering essentially because of the expectations that we put out onto the world and other people. Yeah, we're pretty hardwired. Again, you don't want to get hard on yourself about it. You don't. You don't. If you believe that death is the end of all things or something or that death is bad or whatever... That's, I get it, because that's what we all believe. <laughs> that's what was wired into us. We're supposed to believe that. I'm picking on death. Some people are like, oh, don't you shouldn't be talking about death. Someone I knew just died last week. Look, I get it, man. And my heart goes out to people. There's a lot of people dying these days. Have you noticed? There's a lot of people dying. It's very unfortunate. It's deeply unfortunate. But we don't know what death is. That's also unfortunate. But it's also true. We don't know what death is. You want, you want, you know, you ask people what happens after death. Mm. There's no one out there who's got a definitive answer for that. Except if you do ayahuasca, you start doing psychedelics and you start seeing what happens after death. You're like, oh, oh, that's good to know. It's good to know that everything's going to be okay. It's good to know. It's good to know when you start doing psychedelics. It's like, oh, yeah, all this bullshit that I thought was really serious. Maybe not so serious. Is there a way to get to that sort of state without having to go down? Oh, that's realm? such a good drug. Such a, such a good question from a millennial. That's really, really a perfect question. I think there is, you know, people go into the caves in Tibet, you know, for like years to try to get to that state. Or people meditate for like six, eight, ten hours a day. Or, you know, people run. You know, they get run, you know, they run, they do marathons and stuff. Or people read or write, you know, we're all headed towards what we wish will be a sense of, you know, a sense of like getting it, a sense of resolve, a resolution about what this life is about. And I'm not sure it comes naturally. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty playful today, but I'm going to tell you, I'm just as terrified of death as anyone out there. I don't, I'm not looking forward to dying. And I'm not looking forward to it. I'm hating the idea that any of my friends might die before me. I'm not hating that shit. I don't like that. My cats even. I wake up every morning. I got three cats. 
And first thing I do is make sure all three of them are alive. You know, I'm just, it's just like, that's really what I'm doing. I want to say hello to them, but really what I'm checking is you better not have died while I wasn't looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love like your whole perspective on it all. Cause it really is like in the whole realm of all the craziness and all the shit that is happening. It's like the only thing we are totally in control of is just how we perceive things and what we make things mean. And, and you choose and to look at things like, well, death is the thing. It like it is a thing it's it's like there's no point in trying to make it a, a bad thing or avoid it. it's like well how can i just like address what is and get through this life thing with as much joy as i can yeah it's interesting right it's like you know um you wake up in the morning and you maybe don't have the same tools in place that you have by the end of the day so i've had a tough day you know i it took me a, a couple extra hours today to put any tools in place i walked around with an empty tool chest for like the first several hours of the morning i'm like shit i might never do anything ever again in my life I, you know i was like wow I, don't, I have no idea what i'm doing and i don't have any tools to do it anyway so <sighs> i hope i can find something to do today because i can't do anything so I, that's how it went for the morning, right? And then, then I worked out with my trainer. I had a, a really great physical workout. He worked me to the bone. And when that happened, somehow I got activated. And then all the things I had to do started falling into place. And I've been doing, I've been like a madman for the last eight hours, like just killing it. And it hasn't taken any drugs. I guess I had a cup of coffee, but it hasn't taken any drugs. It's taking like a new perception, like you said. And, you know, really getting that, like from here I can get, oh, this time this morning when I felt empty is also just as an exquisite part of life as anything else. Just because I was uncomfortable or felt like I didn't have any tools doesn't make me wrong or bad or sick or ill or defective or afflicted at all. It just means I was walking around with the feeling that I didn't have any tools or any purpose. All right. So what? We all know that feeling. You're not saying to yourself, Fred, I never had that feeling. No, you're not saying that. You're saying, I totally get it, dude. I feel like that sometimes too, because that's what we all do. Just be honest about it. Yeah. Fred, what what would be like one thing? Because it, because it, like, I have a lot of friends, like my, two of my big mentors actually is are both 63 and 62 years old. So uh -huh. I, I do hang around with a lot of people like your age and because I, I, I love the wisdom. I love the perspective of that. And then I also, I'm 28 years old too. So I've got like uh, I- My daughter's age. Yeah. Yeah. And so one thing that I see a huge sort of gap, the difference is people of that kind of generation, easier to sort of not let things bother them as much as easier oh, it sort of looks. And our generation, my generation is like, they're creating problems. They're creating things in their way to live a life of like stress and all this shit. So- what would sort of be like your advice to our generation to, to I guess, to drop the shit and live a life with more joy? It's a really, again, a, such a shocking question to me, believe it or not. So my first answer is, we look at you thinking you guys got it together. That's my first answer. <laughs> it is not at all clear from this perspective that we have it together better than you. Not at all. It's like absurd, actually. When I look at my, I have a daughter who's 28, I got a son who's 30, and, uh, when I look at them, they got it together way more than me. Now, here's the thing. I think that we compare our insides to other people's outsides, right? And it looks like we have it together because I got what I got. You know, I say what I say. And you think when you're talking to me that you're talking to a guy who's like got wisdom and I got it together. It's hilarious, which is, see this little smile on my face? The smile on my face is because that's freaking hilarious. That's why. Like, you would actually think that? It's really funny. It's really funny. And... Then when I look at you and you're like, okay, yeah, because our generation doesn't have it together, so we need some help from the older generation, what would be the first thing? I think the first thing is back to being like, just be honest with yourself. Just get that this is some bullshit. It is not resolvable. You are not going to put ends, to, to, you're not going to make ends meet using regular conventional ways of thinking. Stuff doesn't meet where it should. Things are not going to happen the way that you expect them. The stuff that we have taught you and that they have taught us is transient nonsense sometimes. Like there's foundational things that simply aren't true that we all believe is true. So with that being said, we are actually holding on to truths that we all think we know are true. And then we're building a world, a world around those truths, even though those truths would just crumble. 
they just crumble. They disassemble right in front of our very eyes. But don't let the truth like get in the way of, you know, of, of your beliefs. And so we just still believe them, even if it doesn't work to believe them. And then we pass it on to our kids and have you believe them. Now, I think my son is cool. My son is very, very cool. My daughter is like the only person I know who's actually cooler than him. And when when part of what I think makes him so cool is that he actually has heard me speak like this for like 25 years. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not responsible for him being cool. That's for sure. I'm respon- Here's how I am responsible. He learned what shit not to do like me. That's that's how I that's how responsible I am. Like I did enough wrong shit right in front of him, and he just decided I'm never doing what Dad does, and he did that <laughs> enough times that he's super cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love it, Fred. This has been really fun, really interesting Good. chat. I, I had I had no idea what to expect from this. I, I was like, this is the first like time of year. So usually we have like lots of coaches or people who have built these yeah. businesses and stuff. I'm like, it's gonna be yeah. really interesting to get inside of you know your head with you know, all this experience. Right. So. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. This has been fun here. Where, where, where can everybody find you on social media and, and check out all your stuff? Well, the most recent thing that I really want people to come to is my upcoming summit. And that you can find, you know, I have a summit. I have this course I just taught a bunch of people of different ages. I ta- gave them their true voice, you know, had them respond, had them refine and re- and discover, rediscover their true voice. And then gave them this exact media platform, the pl- uh, podcasting to help them really get uh, their voice out in the world. So we're celebrating their graduation. I have a couple of keynote speakers that are coming. And that's going to be a pretty cool event. So if anybody's interested in podcasting or maybe they think they want to start a podcast and be like Morgan or, you know, they want to actually make a difference rather than sit on their, you know, tail and um, eat Chipotle or whatever, it's possible to come into my summit and learn what we have to say about how easy it is to put a podcast together and have it be profitable on top of that. Mm-hmm. So. There's that. Truevoicepodcasting.com is how you would register for that program. And then if you really want to find me and hang out with me or, you know, and talk to me about Undoctor or you want to talk to me about Welcome to Humanity, the way to do that is, and it, for now, my website is going through some changes, but it's still welcometohumanity.net. And then I can be found on Facebook. I sometimes, unfortunately, hang out there. I, I really hate that place, but that's where everyone hangs out, so... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, it's like a bad, to, it's like a bad bar. It's like a bad, really <laughs> bad bar. To, to, to wrap up this interview, I've got one final question for you. Are you yeah, ready? ready? Yeah. If you were to go back to your 18-year-old self and give oh. him 30 seconds of advice, what would you tell him? Your life's going to rock, dude. Your life is going to rock. You're about to go through the wildest life that you, anyone you know, and you're going to do a lot of bad shit and you're going to do a lot of good shit. And... When you make it to 63, your life is going to rule. You will have lived a full life and everything's going to be okay. So you're on the right path. Everything's perfect. And you're about to do everything that you should do, even if you know that you're not. Thank you so much for listening. And if you got value from this episode, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 20 seconds of your time, leave me a five-star rating and written review, then screenshot this episode and share it to your story and make sure you tag me for that shout out. And until next time, guys, go out there and dream out loud.